Hello folks, David Lynham with you again. Welcome to another Block 101. Um, so what we're going to talk about this week uh, it has been a, another strange week in a, a very strange time. Um, but I thought I'd spend this podcast, uh, the time on this podcast, talking about what the, the new world might look like um, based on some conversations I've had, what I've been listening to and hearing people talking about and saying, uh, you know, when we finally get out of lockdown and we can slowly start to, to get back to normality or, you know, what will normality be um, when we get to, to that point. Um, and so I thought it might be worth kind of thinking about some of this stuff uh, in terms of what that means for, for clubs. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say something that I've learned you know, and I kind of had a hunch about this, but it's become really apparent in the, the last few weeks, um, is that, you know, the, the model around football in particular, sounds like it, it's got, got to change. There are far too many clubs that are talking about, you know, big, big financial implications uh, because of this situation. Um, you know, and going back to the way things were, is quite simply, it's, it's just not an option by the sounds of things. So, um, what does that mean in terms of you know the way that clubs are going to generate revenue in the future? Uh, we also need to think about you know some of the expectations that are put on fans as well. You know where a lot of the revenue would come from. Is it going to be fair to ask people to be spending money uh, the way that they used to before all of this? You know, and, and equally, can people even afford to? Is that even a consideration for them? Um, so I've got a few things here, a few areas I've I've been kind of thinking about and, and listening to other information from other people about, um, just to sort of think about, well, what does the, the, the new world look like when we, we finally get to that point? Um, so the first thing is, is like season tickets. Now, um, we've got some clubs on sale with season tickets for, for season 2021, you know, whenever that's going to be. And, uh, and some clubs are quite prepared to, to get on sale now. And, you know, with the caveat, we don't know when the first game of the season is going to be. Uh, but, you know, buy your season ticket as normal and, and you know, fans are, are buying them. Um, and there's been quite a, a positive uh, response, certainly with the clubs that, that we deal with and, and the ones that are on sale. Um, and there seem to be two camps around this. You know, there are some clubs that are, are going for it. You know, they would be typically on sale now anyway, so it's, it's not much different. Um, obviously, the one big unknown factor is, is will we kick off in August like we normally do? Very, very unlikely. Uh, as things stand um, but there are another sort of camp if you like where you know clubs are saying well we don't want to sell anything yet because we don't know when we're, we're going to be going on sale um, you know and potentially there are going to be more changes down the line and, and you know there's more admin headache and potential refunds and rejigging as well so uh, totally get that you know as a, as a, stand, a standpoint as well so you know either way um, you know season tickets will have to be sold at some point but really and truly, you know, is it going to be fair or even possible for people to be paying lump sums of money on a season ticket like they, they have done traditionally in the past? Um, of course, you know, most clubs will uh, offer um, sort of a partial payment scheme. Uh, and I think this is going to really come to the fore uh, over the, the next few months as we start to see uh, more season tickets on sale and we have a bit more clarity about the start of the season um, you know paying in installments is going to become I think 
far more prevalent and, and the, the, the option uh, that most people uh, tend to go for. Uh, and maybe we might even see, you know, the emergence of some new subscription models as well. Um, I know that there have been clubs in the past that have tried to, to launch subscription models uh, around season tickets. I think from memory, it may have been Hull City, but it was quite a, quite a high profile club um, that really changed the model. And I know there was quite a bit of criticism uh, from fans um, and sort of industry voices in general uh, when they first did this. Um, I you know really don't know if they still do do it, but you know if they are, they may well be on to uh, something and be a little bit ahead of the game here um, because the subscription model may well be uh, you know the way that season tickets season tickets go, and it could be that we see a complete disruption. Um, in the, the way that the traditional season ticket is, is bought for uh, and potentially the way that it's even, you know, just sort of delivered and, and considered. You're always going to have your fans that want to go to every game. You're always going to have your fans that are quite happy to pay up front in a lump sum. But equally, the, the job of the club is going to be, you know, to, to get as many people as they can back into grounds and, and filling up the venues. Um, and, you know, subscription models lend themselves very well to, to, to that kind of thing. So um, if I'd have heard myself saying this six months ago, I would have called myself crazy. Um, but, you know, given the circumstances and, you know, you need to be able to adapt to, to what's going on around you. Um, this is something now that I, I would seriously consider um, as a, a potential for, you know, any club to be able to, to generate steady and consistent revenue. Um, so maybe we might see subscription becoming a bit more of a, a thing uh, for sports teams. Who knows? These are all, you know, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. These are all just for me, considerations for, for the future. Um, the other one I touched on this in a previous episode is regionalizing leagues. Um, and I can absolutely understand why this is gaining more and more popularity sort of as a, an opinion. Um, I first read about it on, on Twitter um, and, you know, I've been sort of investigating it a little bit more. This is something that apparently quite a few clubs have been talking about um, sort of way before this has happened. Um, it's become obviously quite clear uh, that, you know, many, many football clubs are being, being hit quite hard by what's going on and the, the lack of income coming through. Um, and what I think lots of people don't recognise is just the cost to a club uh, to, to travel to an away game, um, you know, at, at every level. Uh, and, you know, as you go further down the football pyramid, the, the cost is, is obviously more of a problem. Um, they don't have the luxury always of, you know, big sponsorship deals or TV money um, to supplement, you know, all of this, this travelling that needs to be done. Um, and so if you look at, you know, let's say the National League, the, the highest level of non-league football, um, you know, this is a, a national league, so you, know, you could be in, in the south of England and you know, in one evening have to travel to a match at the opposite end of the country. Um, now, what normally happens is uh, you know, a club will travel the day before, uh, they'll stay over in a hotel, they'll obviously have to travel from the hotel to the game and then back again. And you know, obviously uh, there will be uh, a lot of clubs at that level, they are full-time. Um, there are still a few part-time clubs at that top level as well. So, you know, you have the added complication there of people taking days and booking time off work, um, which, you know, adds as more um, complexity, complexity to it all. But if we think about just, you know, a standard uh, 
travel, hotel, travel to the game, get back after. You know, in the in the past, a few clubs have been cutting costs by um, you know traveling on match day by train where it's feasible. Um, but you know, all in all, you know, you're talking about thousands of pounds uh, to get a squad to and from a game when it's not even at you know your home ground. Um, and you know, is that really a cost that that people can bear? Um, you know, if we think about the the state that a lot of non-league clubs find themselves in, um, you know, even at that top level, uh, it just doesn't seem like it's feasible. It doesn't seem like it's something that we can continue doing, uh, given you know the the worsened state that clubs will now find themselves in. So, what's the answer? So, people are talking about regionalising leagues. Um, the situation it appears doesn't seem to get much better as you go further up the football pyramid. So you know there are clubs in League Two and also in League One as well. You know that are, are also not um, necessarily um, that well financially backed. Let's say. Um, so what does regionalising the leagues do? So you know we, we let's take League One for example, dividing that up into a, a north and south League One. Uh, promoting the teams in League Two into League One and again regionalizing them. So you then have a, a League One North, a League One South, basically made up, you know, let's take League One North, it's going to be made up for all the, the northern teams of League One and Two at the moment. So that leads to easier or closer games, easier travel for, for teams. Uh, it sounds like there'd be, you know, less need for overnight stays uh, in some of these cases as well. So you can save a load of cash there. Um, and obviously for the fans, you know, lots of local derbies um, and as a result of that, you know, bigger attendances because, you know, more and more people want to go and watch a, a local derby generally. Um, and so it sounds like almost a, a great win-win situation, uh, almost too good to be true. Um, I guess the big blocker in all of this or the, the big unknown is that this requires quite a bit of reorganisation. Uh, and obviously that's going to be dependent on the on the authorities. And so um, this is where, you know, you look to the governing body. Uh, in this case, you know, the, the Football Association. Are they going to do anything about this? Is now the time to act? Are they, you know, do they have the capacity and, and, and the resource to be able to think about these types of things? You know, in the ideal world, you would look at a situation like this and say now is, is the perfect time to look at what we do, to rethink, to reset. And, and to make things, you know, make a little bit more sense. Um, because, you know, this is, you know, the opportunity that you're probably not going to get again to take a look and see if, you know, there is a, a way of making things uh, work better and more efficiently. Um, it sounds like, you know, quite a big job, quite a big task, and I'm sure they've got plenty on their plate already. Um, but it really, you know, made me think, and for me, everything I've read about it, it just makes a lot of sense uh, in general. So maybe we'll see a bit, a little bit more regionalisation. We we see it already further down in the non-league pyramids. Uh, you know, the national league, sort of the league below the the main national league that is divided north and south. As you go even further, again, you know, leagues are regionalised and travel time is is quite you know greatly reduced. Uh, and it obviously helps to, to aid the, those clubs that are at that level. Um, I think sponsorship is going to change as well. So um, obviously with what's happening, 
for a lot of businesses, the, the first thing or the, one of the early things they're gonna pull is additional marketing spend. Um, whether or not that's a, the right decision or not, that's probably a, another podcast for another day. Um, but you know, in terms of sponsorship, it's gonna be harder now for clubs to attract sponsors. You know, whether that's the front of your shirt, you know, board advertising, match day sponsorship, all, all of the things that clubs rely on, on, on uh, you know, local business for, for additional income generation this is all going to be much much harder work so so how do we do this because you know you still need the money coming in it's going to be a lot harder to ask uh you know one organization to stump up the the money that's normally required um and so something that had a little bit of a stigma i suppose in the past um it was often sort of looked at as you know this is being done because you can't find a sponsor for the front of your shirt for example is like a sponsorship raffle so um, I actually think more and more clubs are going to go down this route uh, or will certainly consider doing this um, just to make it more affordable for more businesses to be able to uh, spend some money on marketing and sponsorship um, and make it affordable for, for, for everyone. Um, and it still keeps everyone sort of from the local community involved as well. Um, so, you know, let's say the front of a shirt would normally go for £10,000, maybe you raffle off uh, 10 tickets or 10 spaces at a thousand pounds each um, and then you it's a, a prize draw for for the winner or you can obviously reduce the the cost of the ticket and get more businesses involved um, but I think more and more clubs are going to go down this route just so that they're still in touch with the local business community they they make sponsorship affordable for people um, and obviously they still have uh, you know the money that they need and that they depend on uh, and, and use from sponsorship in the future as well. Um, so I think that's gonna become less of a, a sort of a stigmatized approach for, for commercial managers, uh, particularly again at you know, lower league, non-league football clubs. Um, and it's gonna become more of the norm, I feel, because uh, you know, a key thing for them is gonna be making sponsorship accessible, uh, even when you know, people have uh, reduced budgets. Um, another one I think that's, going to be more and more prevalent in the, the coming years and months ahead uh, is bespoke fan merchandise. So um, if you've listened to the podcast regularly or frequently, uh, you'll have heard reference to the, the famous uh, Margate Libertines history shirt uh, where they put shirts on sale. And, you know, if you ordered before a certain time, uh, you could have your name woven into the fabric of the shirt, which is, you know, real... Uh, um, nice touch, uh, sold very well, was really popular. Um, I think we're going to see more clubs doing things like this, maybe even exactly that same idea. Um, because, again, getting people to spend money on, you know, what you might now call a luxury item like merchandise, it's going to be hard work and people won't have that spare cash like they used to. Uh, and they'll be thinking twice before, you know, every purchase that they make, um, given you know, what's what's coming sort of uh, ahead of us. So um, how do you motivate people? How do you incentivize people um, to continue spending money with the club, to con continue spending on merchandise? This is something I think that will will take off and we'll see a lot more of it. So more bespoke elements to merchandise. Yes, it may cost slightly more, doesn't necessarily have to, um, but giving people more of a reason as to, to why 
they should be still spending money um, and, and helping to make that decision for them uh, as well. Um, sorry if you can hear like a little bit of shouting in the background. My kids are playing, uh, well, not playing nicely at the moment, but uh, hopefully it's not interrupting the show too much. Um, so last one, um, another big change I think we're going to see in, in sports venues over the coming uh, months and years. Um, and I've talked about this on a previous podcast as well. And again, my opinion on this is changing given the times that we're in. Um, and I'm not about to advocate blockchain. I'm still on the same side of the fence on that one. Um, cashless. I think cashless is uh, going to become more and more of a thing. Um, again, I've heard people talking about this more uh, since um, the, the pandemic and, and, and you know thoughts about what's going to be on the other side. Um, obviously, cash uh, is a, a, an easy way to, to uh, move germs around. Um, so I think, you know, we're going to see more and more venues be mindful of that. Uh, and, you know, the people that run the venues will be thinking, do we want to put uh, our people at risk? Um, so that's, a, you know, a very valid reason. Um, and, you know, given where we're at, more and more people um, that maybe, you know, weren't necessarily, uh, let's call them early adopters of technology, uh, have had to uh, become a little bit more comfortable with tech um, and a little bit more comfortable with, with, with doing things that they're not used to doing. Um, and certainly, you know, venues going cashless, uh, I think is going to play a big part in, in the future of, of, of the game, of sport, you know, in sports. Um, and I think, you know, from when you add the, the sort of the health and safety angle around this as well, I think you're going to find more and more venues buying into uh, the, the whole ethos of a cashless venue. I really do believe that, um, you know, there's a stronger case for it now than, than ever before. Um, I'm still not entirely sold on the whole sort of prepaid cashless card thing. Uh, I do think, you know, when I talk about cashless, it's going to be more about, you know, accepting credit card payments, contactless, more traditional means of, of cashless payment, uh, like people are used to in regular shops. Um, I think we're going to see more and more Stadia adopt this approach. Um, and for some, it may mean, you know, a, a fair investment in infrastructure to do that. Um, but again, with the, the, the health and safety angle around this, it's, it's money well spent. Um, so I think we're going to see an increase in that. Um, it's definitely more uh, useful, convenient, helpful for the supporter as well. Um, there, are, there are tons of benefits to it now. And, and again, you know, I was, I was a little bit cynical and skeptical about it. Um, you know, do you really need to go cashless? Is it the right thing? Not everyone needs to. I think that that narrative is now changing, certainly for me. I think it's, for me now, more of a, uh, an important consideration um, for, for, for the future in inside sports venues anyway. Uh, okay, so there are five things, I think, that are going to change. I think we're going to see changes in, in all of these areas. Maybe not exactly how I've just described it, described it but I think there will be, um, you know, things that venues are going to be considering. Um, I'm really interested, uh, you know, in working with the clubs that we work with just to see, you know, how they're, they're, they're thinking about the future, how they're looking to operate and, and some of the considerations they're going to have, um, you know, looking forward to sort of being part of that and helping them through it. Um, so, yeah, if I can help you at all, then, you know, let me know. Um, I'm, I'm always keen to, to have a chat just to see where we can we can help with some of these things as well. Um, 
Of course, if you've been enjoying the show, uh, I'd really appreciate if you uh, if you can rate it. That's always helpful. Uh, I've noticed the the listens and the downloads have increased as well. So uh, obviously, people are that bored. There's nothing left to do but listen to the podcast, and I'm, I'm grateful to have your your ears, and that's uh, always nice. So um, if you haven't given it a rating already, uh, it'd be really nice if you could. Um, and if there's anything at all, you know, given that you know, I've tried the whole interviews thing, the sound quality isn't fantastic. So I'm going to keep playing around with that and see if I can find uh, a better way of doing that um, so we can try and get a few more people on the show. But if there's anything at all, any subjects, any topics uh, you'd like me to cover on the show, um, then get in touch with me. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the best. Um, drop me a message on there. Let me know if there's something that you'd like to know more about, uh, you'd like me to talk about then uh, I'll make sure I'll feature it on a on a, an episode in the future. So I uh, hope you found that useful, interesting, um, and I will be back with you again next week, more of the same. Um, so take care and uh, I'll catch you soon. See ya. <laughs>